Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Brown. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm, of course, joined by the Tennessee hope my cousin Shane. I screwed it up already. Joined by my cousin <laughs> Shane, who goes by Big Orange Balls on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee Homer? <laughs> I threw you off a little bit there, didn't I? Throwing you that beer. Usually you don't see me, but uh, hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, man. Uh, I got pretty excited. I mean, you got to be an SEC nerd to get excited about uh, media days, not even the event. Mm -hmm. The event's fun, but the release of the lineup we got for the upcoming media days, and that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you about on this episode so we'll get to that in just a second brother but uh how you doing dude i'm doing awesome and and it's funny because uh you know that came out but at work i just filled out like pto time for a vacation you know and like the very next day i found out i'm like i'm running down there and i'm like well briskly walking and i said i gotta i gotta have off july uh do you got those dates right off hand because i don't want to screw those up in case anybody it starts monday july 17th and it runs through thursday july 20th okay so i took off a few extra days uh, because we got some big, we're not throwing it out there yet, but just know that we got, we got some stuff in the works. Uh, we're going to, we're going to do some stuff the weekend before too. Uh, so we're really looking to, to get, get all sec media here and, you know, cause that's the kickoff. That's the kickoff to college football, Mike. That's when everybody starts getting excited. You know, they see some of their favorite players, the, the coach clips come out. Somebody says something dumb, you know, we get all fired up, but it is official kickoff to college football. And it's hard to believe because we just had it. It felt like we just had a national championship, but we're only uh, you know five months away, and and we're we're cranking this thing back up. So uh, I think it's going to be awesome. First time ever in Nashville, right? Or in a long time? No, first so, time uh, ever in I, Nashville. I, I think they're going to do it right. So it's it's going to be a fun event. So a little when we get a little bit closer to that that time, we'll 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 kind of get fill you in some more details. But uh, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing some folks, man. I'd like to get down there drink some cold beers with some fans, you know, answer some questions, you know, cause there's some of you that's been around since day one. Some of you just now coming online, but, uh, you'll, you'll find out real quick. We like to have fun on this show. Yeah. And a lot of pe- people's Shane from Texas mm-hmm. and Oklahoma starting to, to yeah. filter down to the show. So, Hey, we welcome you to all sec fan bases, even the ones that are not officially yet in, I mean, they're in, but obviously won't start playing until 2024. Yeah. So, we had an idea for this episode, Shane. One question that we want answered from each coach at SEC Media Days. And kind of the way I, I thought about going about this, Shane, is if I only had one answer, one question and I knew I was going to get an honest answer yeah. from all 16. We're throwing Texas and Oklahoma. <laughs> They're not going to be down there. But, we're hey, again, we're including them. You know, in something like yes, because they will be down there sooner rather than later. And then uh, cousin Shane's gonna he, he'll have a mine, mine's meant to be more football related, serious. And, and cousin Shane, your question's meant to be more uh, at the bar stool if you could get them there. That that's right. We're maybe having a cold beer and we're just shooting the shit and 
Hey, by the way, I'm curious. I'm just curious, you know, some, along those lines uh, of questions, you know, because you're going to get a lot of that at SEC Media Days. You know, who's your what's the quarterback situation? What do you think of these new coaches? Blah blah blah. But we've all got a couple of those questions sitting in the back of our mind. We're like, man, if he could honestly answer, I am curious. ABC. So that's kind of what I wanted to do here and uh, just kind of have some fun. And it would be awesome if we could get some of these answered for sure. Yeah. So let's just go in order, Shane, of the actual event. I thought that would kind of be the best way to do it. So again, starting Monday, July mm -hmm. 17th, we got LSU, Missouri, and Texas A&M. And I'm going to start with Brian Kelly right off the docket here. My question to Brian Kelly, how confident is he that the special teams will come around? He's brought back Brian Polian. That's a guy that uh, he has employed a long time, going back to his days at Notre Dame. And if you think back to last season, Shane, I mean, it started from the opener. Yeah. They they got the, the PAT blocked by Florida State, cost him the game. I just mm -hmm. went back and watched uh, the, the LSU-Tennessee game right out the gate, Tennessee the kickoff, there was a fumble, Tennessee gets it, they get all the momentum, and, it, you know, they dominated that football game. And how can you forget the SEC championship? Georgia blocks a field goal. LSU yeah. just walks off the field and acts like, well, I guess that's the end of the play. Well, Georgia, they're smart enough to pick the ball up and, and return it for a touchdown. That was the end of the ball game. I mean, these are critical, critical special teams mistakes. They're bringing back the special teams coordinator. I probably would have fired him. But again, I'm not an SEC yeah. coach making a hundred million dollars. So, <laughs> why has Brian Kelly got so much confidence in this guy that it's going to turn around? I think that's the biggest thing for LSU, Shane, because Alabama, of course, is going to be gunning for him. Yeah. Um, you know, you can't have these miscues if, you, if you're going to uh, unseat the Georgia Bulldogs and win a national championship, and that's the goal in Baton Rouge. And special teams gets overlooked sometimes, but yeah. that's that's probably the biggest weakness on LSU right now. Brother, I mean, it's some a lot of people didn't watch all of LSU's games, but that you know that Florida State one really stuck stuck out in my mind. It was we were on the national stage, and special teams was an absolute joke. Now it turned out to be a hell of a game, and came down to the wire. But that's a game if special teams was fixed or correct or no flaws at all they're easily winning the florida state game so uh his tenure started out rough and it, it did improve at times but then they take two steps back so yeah I, I am curious on that one because it is it's a lot of people don't you know it's always about offense that's what everybody wants to know what about the quarterback what about the wide receivers you know but it's three phases man and if one of those is not look at south carolina prime example if it weren't for their special teams they would have lost more games in my opinion so i it, it is full three phases here and and the fact he has confidence maybe maybe they had a talk i i don't know maybe it's some of the returning players or something they saw toward the end of the season uh but they're definitely going to have to get that get that corrected coming into this year so if you were at the bar down here in Nashville, Shane, you're you're drinking yeah. a, I think you got to be drinking a Guinness because it's Brian Kelly uh -huh. and, and, and his mm -hmm. obvious connections to the old uh, Fighting Irish. <laughs> down there, you're drinking a Guinness with Brian Kelly. What what's the yeah. number one thing on the top of your mind you want answered from the LSU head coach? Well, if I could get him off the dance floor, Mike, I I think the first thing I'd want to know, <laughs> I'd want to know. Well, I it's kind of two part, Mike. I ain't gonna lie. You know, that whole booty thing at the end of the year got swept under the rug real quick. And, and I, I think, obviously, just as a fan outside looking in, 
I'd like to know what the hell happened there, like true details, you know. But more importantly, Mike, I think one that's been lingering with me with Kelly for a long time is, you know, he's in the SEC now, but his name has popped up several times in years past. And I'm just curious, what offers has he had? What other opportunities has he had to come in the SEC and why did he turn those down? And did he have any regrets for turning those down. So I think if I'm asking Kelly any question, I can get a truthful answer. I just want to see what jobs he turned down. Yeah, that's pretty interesting, Shane, because who knows? Um, you know, I'm trying to think of some of the ones he's been attached to. I think Auburn maybe, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure several others during his, his full tenure, but – I've done a couple things, mock-ups on Tennessee, you know. I was like, so I, I've been, I tried to get Kelly to Knoxville once. So I am, you know, you know there's been opportunities here. And and I'm wondering if he was holding out for, for, for a sweet job like LSU or in Alabama or Georgia or something like that. Or was it more like, hey, I missed the boat here. Clearly I can't get this done in Notre Dame. And as soon as a, a – a, a, a reasonable job popped open, which LSU is more than, you know, capable of winning national championships. Did he jump on it immediately? Or, or was he actively looking like, Hey dude, something comes up and I want back. I want in the sec. So I'm just to kind of get his perspective on that. I think that would be a really cool, cool question to ask. Yeah. I, well, I think you hit the nail on the head, Shane LSU's proven you can win the national championship yeah. down there. They got all the, all the pieces to get that done. So I, w- I have to imagine that was the key factor in his decision. So yeah. also Monday, July 17th, Missouri, Eli Drinkwitz will be down there. Ho- hopefully we get yeah. him back on camera. I know uh-huh. uh, Cousin Shane was his favorite media member after last yeah. year, our little exchange there. So hopefully get him back on the show. But let me ask you, th- or here's the question I got for Coach Drink, if we get him back on, Shane, bringing in – an offensive coordinator, first time in his head coaching career, he's hired an offensive coordinator to be a play caller, Kirby yeah. Moore from Fresno State. How long of a leash will this guy have in, in the play calling? Because, hey, in the offseason, we all know it. You know, we're going to win every game. You know, this is going to yeah. be the greatest season yet. But you hit some adversity. Maybe there's a game where, where you fail to score 20 points. Does Drink pull that out from under him? I, I don't know. I'd love to get – you know, insight into that and how how much leeway does Kirby's more does he have on picking the quarterback? Because yeah. I think that is going to be huge for Missouri now that we've got the Miami transfer, Jake Garcia in there. We got Brady Cook back, or we got Sam Horn as a redshirt freshman. We got options. Yeah. And the success of Missouri is, you know, it's never as simple as this, but it, it feels like if they don't pick the right quarterback, they ain't having a good season. If they if they yeah. pick the right one, if they develop the right one, man, I think Missouri could be the dark horse of the SEC. Yeah, I, I'm with you here, Mike. And and I think I guess when you're looking at kind of kind of leads into my question here is, um, and, and first off, Eli taking time at media days was was awesome. He was the first SEC coach to give us a shot, so I appreciate that. And really a down-to-earth guy if you get a chance to talk to him. Now, there's a lot of folks that hate him, absolutely hate him, but he speaks his mind. And I think I respect that uh, because there's a lot of coaches that will just give you the same old coach speak, and, and he doesn't do that. So he'll, he'll, he'll put it out on the line. But I am curious, brother. 
You know, there's a there's a couple hot seats coming into this season, and I think Mizzou's going to be one of them. And I think it's going to hinge on quarterback, and that that's the easy way out. But obviously, it, it hurt him last season. This season, I am curious. He was very aggressive. I, I'm wondering in his mind, how does he think that quarterback room's going to play out? And if it goes well, how, what's the threshold? How many wins does he need to kind of get the pressure off of him? So um, I just think with, with these other teams coming into the conference and expanding, I think Missouri's schedule is going to get a little bit harder moving forward when we when we switch up these groups. So I'm just curious if this is the time to put up or shut up and, and kind of his, you know, what is he seeing back home? Right. No, I mean, that's, that's a good one, Shane. And, and you make an interesting point. How will this, you know, we'll, we'll know in the coming weeks how the, the new scheduling format, but, you know, we'll have to do, I'm sure we'll do all kinds of reaction. Who's the biggest winners, biggest losers, wow. and, and their path to the SEC championship. They're, they're obviously, you got the beast of the, of the SEC in the East in Georgia, but, hell, I, I mean, Missouri's road would be a hell of a lot tougher, at least on paper, if they were in the West. So yeah. this this may be a small window to to take advantage. I mean, in, in case things go completely haywire in Athens, which we don't anticipate, but you just never know. Well, and and the way their schedules played out, you know, there's we we get we, we get four or five games into this thing, or even when we're doing best case scenarios, we convince ourselves of an easy you know an easy road to six wins and getting into a bowl game. You know, you're not going to be able to do that moving forward when you're playing uh, teams like, you know, name it, Alabama every other year, LSU every other year. I mean, just, it, the, the teams are going to get a lot tougher now and, and potentially nine of them as opposed to eight. So, um, yeah, I think – this is a this is a good year for him, and if he can secure a, a long term deal with Mizzou at the end of this thing, after a, you know, but it's all again, it's all going to boil down to quarterback play. They've got a de- I think one of the best defense. They got a lot of people coming back. They've got um, you know a wide receiver room that's top shelf, and uh, I, I think honestly, with if the right quarterback comes in and 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 does his thing, then we're talking we're talking about maybe an extension up there in Mizzou. So that's what I, that's what I'm, I'm going to ask him if, if he was going to be honest with me. Mm. Now the final coach on the the first day, of course, Jimbo Fisher down there. Uh, a lot of questions with, with the Aggies. They got all the talent in the world. They need to yeah. start competing for, uh, again, we did it the other day. They've never won the West. Maybe that's not fair to, to throw on them because they've not been in, in the conference near as long as, as others, but this will be the final opportunity for them to win a division title before the, the formats change. My question for Jimbo, Shane, we had two new coaches last season, and I think you can make the case both of them failed to do the job that is expected in College Station. I'm talking defensive coordinator DJ Durkin. Our defense was dead last in the SEC and rush defense. And then our offensive line coach, Steve Adazio, who he's, he's – been all across college football. He was down there with Urban Meyer at Florida. And if you go to his bio on the Texas A&M page, they're saying, well, this guy's won multiple national championships. If that's on your bio, and that was damn near over a decade ago, and, and it was because Urban Meyer and Dan Mullen and Tim Tebow, I don't know that you've really accomplished a ton. Uh, I, I, I want to know the confidence that those two coaches can get their units fixed 
because yeah. we got too much talent at Texas A&M to be dead last in rush defense. I, I know there was injuries and all this. We got too much talent on the offensive line to right. struggle to run the ball, couldn't protect a quarterback to save their life for much of the season. I mean, these guys need to have their, their damn feet to the fire if they struggle once again. Um, I can see both those guys getting let go. Yeah, man. I mean, at times, you would think a team like that, as loaded as they are talent top to bottom, it would – that – there would be a couple of areas that just really shined. And, and, you know, we talk about being the 12th man. I see the flag gear beside you. But sometimes it felt like one man, and it was the Ache. You know, it's like if he can't get this done, we're not going to win. And and that's that's not what you expect to hear this far into the tenure down there at Texas A&M. So I'm with you, brother. Obviously a lot of pressure down there. And, um, you know, it's it, it's – we, the excuses are over, brother. And, and I guess if I'm asking him a question, it's going to be along the same lines. You know, if if Bjork – I would want to know this AD situation. I, I Because or, – or the I'm sorry. I'd want to know the OC situation. Jimbo hiring an offensive coordinator is – I don't think was his decision. And, and I would want to know – how did that play out? Was this something that you, you got in the office and they said, hey, if you want to keep your damn job, you're going to have to bring somebody in. If they're reading the tea leaves and they said, we need an OC and not just not a mouthpiece. We need somebody that can help you run this offense because, you know, SEC is as close as you can get to, to NFL. And you see this with general managers all the time, uh, forcing these coaches to make hires and, and, and things like that. So I'm just curious if, if I'm talking to Jimbo and he's being honest with me, um, you know, how, how much, how much of this OC situation was his idea? And now that he's down there, how much control does he expect to honestly have in that offense? Uh, because I think he needs to really loosen the reins down there and be more of a general manager himself. If, if this team's going to be productive and, and A&M has invested so much in college football, man. And I mean, they, they knew, everybody knew at some point Texas was probably going to come over here. A&M did too. They got a head start on this thing, man. They upgraded facilities. They've put all this money into their coaching and recruiting. And this thing is an oil, well-oiled machine, and and it's just sputtering. It's not getting out of go, and, and they're not going to mess around. This is it, man. With Texas and Oklahoma coming in, if Jimbo doesn't get it done – Dude, you want to talk about the quickest coach getting fired. And, and there's no reason he should because the team is absolutely loaded with talent. Mm. Yeah, and there's a really interesting article, Shane, that was recently in The Athletic. They were they were talking about NIL and how the, the main um, uh, booster, uh, you know, I think it's called like the 12th Man Foundation or something. They've, they've been down there as long as they've had football down there. They have now incorporated that into the NIL. And just an interesting nugget in there, it said they raised $96 million just last year for the football program. And they, you know, that's, I'm sure that's for facilities and, and yeah. yada, yada, yada. If they can raise $96 million in a year, they can buy his ass out yeah. <laughs> if they have to. You know, maybe that's right. what that was for saying, hey, uh, if we need it, maybe we can push him out. I don't know, but um, I'm just speculating on that. But the, just the fact, that gives you an indication how much money's down there. And you talk about Bobby Petrino, the offensive coordinator. I know the jokes have been made 
that uh, you know he's he would be the perfect interim coach when they got to fire Jimbo. I'm not yeah. going that far. I'm not saying that they are going to fire Jimbo, but just imagine. And and I know this is not what A and M fans want to hear, but if if they struggle, you know, maybe at midseason they're I don't know three and three or something like that, and they, yeah. they get blown out. Maybe they do fire Jimbo, and I bet you. In Bobby Petrino's mind, in the back of there, at some point, he's like, well, if the offense works and I get this interim role and I go 6-0, and you know, like a Coach-O or something, yeah, that's my ticket to being the head coach at Texas A&M in 2024. And I think, hell, you'd, you'd almost have to give him the job if if he, you know, you know, did a really, really good job as the interim coach. So I'm not saying that'll happen for A&M fans. They, yeah. they certainly don't want that to happen, but – you know, that kind of goes to your point. I mean, it, it's an interesting marriage, to say the least, down there. You know what? Well, and I, I, I think that kind of adds to it, you know. You know that there was some outside influences. When we got these boosters, I mean, you think about that, $96 million. That's a lot of damn money, Mike. I mean, you lay that on a table. You bring Jimbo in and say, hey, listen, we can buy you out right now, or you bring in a guy, and here's a list. You know, it wouldn't even surprise me if there was a short list of names. This is who we want, you know, because we're paying. You're, you're paying the money. When you're spending $100 million, you know, you're, you, you're going to have some pull up there. So I'm not saying that's what happened or anything like that. But if Jimbo's being honest with me, he could tell me about some of those closed-door meetings you know they had. <laughs> All right, jumping to Tuesday, July 18th, day two of SEC Media Days. First time back in a while, Shay. Last time he was at Media Days, he was in a scandal, and they had to let him go. But he's back. New school, <laughs> second chance, Hugh Freeze, down there at Auburn. I mean, I think it's it's a little too easy to say, you know, what are you going to do at quarterback? Well, we may even know by then. So, you know, Robbie Ashford, can he be a, a, a big-time winning quarterback in the SEC? That, that's kind of the obvious question. So I'll go a, a little bit different, Shane, and, and say – you know, if you just look at Auburn last season and, and really yeah. in, in, in the last couple of seasons, they they failed to be competitive at times against Georgia and Alabama, of course. Uh, they got blown out at home against Penn State 41-12. to uh, Georgia beat them 42-10. Of course, Georgia beat the hell out of everybody, so I can't <laughs> hold that against them too much. Alabama killed them. And Ole Miss and Arkansas really kind of had their way with them. My question to Hugh is – how confident are you that, uh, you know, we may get blown out once or twice, you know, while you're building this thing up, but how confident are you that can you close that gap and make these games competitive, push Georgia to a fourth quarter, push Alabama to the fourth quarter? You've got talent. You've assembled a great coaching staff. You know, what's your confidence level that you can close that gap and make these things competitive? Because if I'm an Auburn yeah. fan, that's what I really want to see. I, I want to win seven, yeah. eight nine games and stop getting blown out, go into year two with a ton of momentum and try to win us 10 or 11 games in year two. What's your confidence level that that can happen? That's what I want to be asking Hugh Freeze. Yeah. And I think expectations on head coaches have changed, you know, over the, I mean, you look, we talked about Kelly and day one, he, look what he did, man. He took him to an sec championship year one. Look at Beamer up there, you know, it's year two, but he was he's beating Tennessee and Clemson, you know. So I, I think the the you know, build a program days are behind us. This is you you gotta start winning and being productive immediately. 
So I, I'm with you here, especially at Auburn. And, uh, you know, if I'm talking to you, I don't even know if we're allowed in a bar, but if we are, I'm going to ask him, you know, Hey brother, you know, you're, you're kind of a success story. I mean, think about that. When, when all this news broke originally, I never thought he would coach college football again, let alone an SEC program. So I, I would I would probably ask him when he got the phone call, at the official offer that he was going to be able to coach in the SEC again, I would probably want to know the first three people he called, you know, his emotion, how he felt. I mean, just just his gut. I mean, because you seriously burnt a shit ton of bridges on your way out, man. And, and now you got to come – you come back – I honestly think in a better situation, nothing against Ole Miss, but you can win national championships sooner in Auburn, in my opinion. And uh, I just think that he came out smelling like a rose. So I'm not saying Disney's going to pick up the movie or anything, you know, but uh, but maybe Skinamax or something, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they just opened a brand new facility. It's some of the nicest facilities in the country. Everybody knows that's a hell of a dangerous place to go down there and play. Just remember those fans, how they were when Cadillac took over. And and that place was rocking for Mississippi State, for Texas A&M. I mean, those fans are incredible. You're right. I mean, he he should be thanking his lucky stars that he is head coach at Auburn because everything that he aspires to, you can accomplish it down there on the plains. This is it, man. This is the last shot, but just the fact he has that opportunity still blows my mind. So run with it, man. Run with it, my friend. All right, so Georgia, Kirby Smart, they'll also be there Tuesday. Not a lot of big-time questions for Kirby. Uh, You're going for number three in a row. That's just incredible. But if I were to ask Kirby, and he's going to be honest with me, what will Georgia miss most next season? I, I think there's three key points here and this is starting to add up a little bit here Shane who are you going to miss more the offensive coordinator Todd Munkin who you replaced mm-hmm. with Mike Bobo of course you, you're starting quarterback of course Stetson Bennett Heisman finalist and who knows who the next guy will be or will you miss both your starting offensive tackles um, I, I know they've got some guys in there with experience so it's not like they're they're and and they're Whoever they slide in there is going to be a former five-star. So I sit here feeling bad for Georgia. But I'm just curious, which one does he think Georgia will miss more? Because that those are some key pieces on that offensive side, offensive coordinator, quarterback, or offensive tackle. And, uh, you know, you, you miss on just one of those roles. Yeah. Maybe Georgia doesn't win the national championship. Maybe they don't even win the SEC if they completely whiff on one of those. You know what? So what do you, what do you I mean so when you're boiling it down are you gonna are you more concerned about an like a certain coach or are you a certain player I mean what 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 do you think if if you're I mean if you're talking to Kirby and he's shooting you straight here what do you think his biggest concern should be honestly probably quarterback because yeah. you know I even you know I'm I was among the many that doubted him time after time but. When the moment came up big, Stetson was making the critical play time and time again the last two seasons. And mm-hmm. how many times have we seen it, Shane, where, uh, you know, some touted guy comes into Alabama or Georgia or LSU and it's just next yeah. man up, we're going to be fine. 
Hell, I, I mean, there was guys, I think his name was John Brantley, was higher rated yeah. than Tim Tebow. Urban said, this is the best quarterback we've ever had. I mean, he he couldn't play a lick. You know what I mean? So we, we always assume that it's just going to keep, the good times are going to keep on rolling. And, and every quarterback Georgia's got is higher, you know, was, was recruited at a higher level than Stetson. But maybe they won't have that chip on their shoulder. Maybe they won't have something to prove. And, uh, you know, Stetson, he may have, Maybe the best quarterback Georgia ever gets, as crazy as it is to say, but it's kind of hard to knock him for, uh, you know, all the all that he's accomplished. He probably is the best quarterback they've ever had. Yeah, no, I guess you know. On that note, I would be also curious coaches that he's turned down, you know, because I'm sure there's been a few come out of the woodworks that's wanted an opportunity either a, a GM because you know Kirby's a very prideful person, man. Not not that other coaches aren't, but he's very emotional. And, and I would imagine you burn a bridge with Kirby, you ain't coming back. So I am kind of curious if if there are some of those kind of lingering around that now that things are great in Athens, he doesn't want them to be part of the staff. Maybe some people that, that you know, had an opportunity to come over early. And, and again, now that the, now that they're winning national championships, he's, he's, he's moved on. So, and, and on that note, just as successful as they are, I just want to know, man, Kirby, you're not paid the most in the in the entire country, but you've you've won back to back national championships, and not only wins, you just freaking destroyed a team. Uh, everybody knows what you're building down there. Are you a little upset that you're not the highest paid man? You know, and that when we talk about good coaches, people first thing they mention is still Nick Saban. You know, I, I'm sure he's very respectful of Saban, but it's like. You know, it's like your dad and son thing, you know, and at some point you're like, okay, dad, it's my turn, you know, and it feels like the, the reins have been handed over, but maybe he's not getting the respect financially that he deserves. So I know it's it's a stupid, trivial question, but, you know, at that level, when you're on top of the mountain, you know, there's only a few things you could do. And I'm just, I'm wondering if Kirby's saying, you know what, I'm lo looking at his phone, like how much is, how much is Dabo getting paid? You know, I should be getting more than Dabo, you know? <laughs> All right, how about uh, first time at Media Day, Shane? Zach Arnett, new Mississippi State head coach, of course. What yeah. what I really want to know, you know, he's been in the building for several years. He he gets elevated to the head coaching job, and it's basically a clean sweep of the offensive coaching staff. Uh, I, I really want to know, you know, thoughts behind that. Why did he feel that, you know, we needed to change? Not only, Obviously, you had to change the play caller because that was Mike Leach. But we're yeah. bringing a new receivers coach, Chad Bumpus, brought in two offensive line coaches, Will Friend and Mike Schmidt. Schmidt's going to coach the, the tackles and the tight ends. I'm kind of curious to, to know where we're going on that side of the ball. And, and kind of in addition to that question, which, which I think is, uh, is, is kind of indicative of, of what they may be doing, what was the thought process with bringing in Mike Wright from Vanderbilt? Because he is just the exact opposite of Will Rogers. So yeah. it doesn't make sense if they're going to be running the same thing. And, and clearly they're not with a new staff yeah. and, and a dual threat quarterback. What's the plan for Mike Wright? You know, I think Mississippi state's offense is going to look a lot different than what it did under Mike Leach. And, and that's just kind of fascinates me. Yeah. The thing about Mike Wright is, you know, he, he stuck 
stuck with it in Vandy, even when he lost the job. So I, I would imagine he wasn't just looking for any opportunity. He's looking for an opportunity to be a starter or a playmaker. So, yeah, I would be really curious about that. What was the point of that? It, it, are they trying to make some some sort of change on that side of the ball? Because Mike is very athletic and uh, uh, an exciting runner for sure. Uh, obviously, he's got to work on his passing game, but hell of a leader, man. He had that locker room uh, at Vandy going, so I think it was a good get. And, and I, I like – you know, your, your questions, because, you know, the first thing I would want to know and and selfish reasons, you know, he was the last one to coach with, uh, with the pirates. So I would honestly, I wouldn't mind asking a few questions about, you know, the last season, you know, some things that he took from, from the leech, funny stories, that sort of thing, you know, because, um, you know, I, I look at that book there on your on your table, and it's you know it's, it sucks that this is, we're not going to have them this year. But so obviously that, but you know, Arnett, he, he, you talk about a big shadow, brother. He is he he's got he's got an uphill battle, obviously, and and I think he was a good good hire. I think he was a good fit. He's got to prove himself. I don't I don't think he wants to be the guy that was an easy replacement. But uh, because there's no easy replacement for for Coach Leach, and uh, but the fact that he was able to keep a lot of this staff that he wanted, and, and the players that I mean, they were vulturing, man. You you saw the stories coming out. People were coming after these kids. Um, I, I think that part was impressive to me. That's that's the sign of a good head coach, in my opinion. Uh, you had that locker room over. So, what does he take from Mike? Um, you know what? Maybe maybe it's not play calling or or anything like that. Maybe it's just you know some sort of you know I don't know recruiting tactic or or something that he he just picked up because the Pirates had so many people under him over the years and they talk about picking his brain and and stealing a little bit of this and a little bit of that. What is he going to take from the Pirate moving forward? And and you know how quick does he plan on? Uh, you know, turning this thing around and showing the country that he is a legit head coach because he is a hell of a defensive mind. Yeah. Well, speaking of a, of a great defensive mind, Shane Vanderbilt, they're going to be the last ones on Tuesday. Clark Lee, my question for him, what's his confidence that the defense is going to start to improve? Because, mm-hmm. man, they were they were pretty bad last year, dead last <laughs> in, in scoring defense, dead last in sacks. I realized, you know, he, he walked into a – incredibly difficult situation and and he should be commended for the strides they made last year but he came in as a you know a defensive guru from notre dame that that was up for the assistant coach of the year for the his notre dame defenses are we going to see that this year because that's that's a missing piece of the puzzle to make vanderbilt a little bit more competent they they're adding depth obviously being recruiting um you know is this the year we start to see the defense turn around because if mm-hmm. they start playing up to the offensive's caliber, they're going to be a lot more competitive in SEC play. Yeah, and, and Vandy was a fun story last year, man. I mean, I, I think I would be curious if I'm talking to him, which win was bigger for him, beating Florida at home or, you know, Kentucky on the road. I, I thought they were both very emotional games. He was emotional after the fact. You know, here's a team that was expected to win zero SEC games, and they did – Two, you know, which is a huge leap, in my opinion, with what they're building up there in Nashville. So I would want to first ask him how much he's getting paid, because as you all know, 
they don't they don't disclose that. I just want to see how shitty Vandy's athletic department is treating the coach here because he needs a raise. I guarantee it. But uh, if I'm if I'm honestly, I don't know. I, I I thought of a couple. One was Ray Ray Davis. I I wanted to know. You know, was there any heated arguments trying to keep him? Because I think he was such a great piece of that offense last year, and the fact he was unable to attend the school because of of rules, it, it, it kind of blows my mind. Especially as many rules as we bend for some of these other kids to get playing time in the other in the other uh, teams. You know what I'm saying? So, God forbid this kid gets an extra year at Vanderbilt. So. Uh, I I would be curious if the back the backstory of that and if there was any chance of keeping them, but the school again not taking football seriously. Yeah. All right. So we're switching over to Wednesday, July nineteenth. This is going to be a big one, Shane. It's big anytime. Nick Saban and Alabama's at SEC Media Days. I think the obvious question for the goat was the impact of changing over both your coordinators. Fans have been desperate. They think this this is going to restart the dynasty here. We got rid of Pete Golding. In comes Kevin Steele. We got rid of Bill O'Brien. In comes Tommy Reese. Who the hell is that? <laughs> I mean, I imagine the defense is going to basically remain the same. This is, I think, the third time Kevin Steele's been down there as his, as his defensive coordinator, or at least an assistant under Nick Saban. So they know each other. It's going to be familiar. But I'm really curious about that offense. Uh, I, I think they're going to get away from, you know, throwing it all over the yard, explosive plays, ground and pound. I think, I think they want to be more like Georgia, Shane, which is yeah. pretty pretty wild to hear. But uh, I I would be very interested to hear Saban's explanation on hiring Tommy Reese and what his vision is for this offense, because I think it's going to determine how successful Alabama is next season. Well, and it's always funny when you watch Saban if he does have an off year it seems like he makes a change toward who's having a productive year. You know, you joked about Georgia. That clearly was working. So expect a change to go closer toward, toward that, you know. So um, now that's not my question. I mean, if we're sit, if I'm sitting at the bar, I'd probably be fanboyed up, you know, talking. I wouldn't even be able to say words like, like the pod here. <laughs> yeah, You wouldn't be able to clean this up because I'd be like stumbling all over the place. But, I, I mean, I got to ask – when the hell are you retiring, Nick? Come on, man. Is it is it is there a date and set? Or are you just gonna keep going? I think I think he's got an ultimate goal. Maybe it's national championship rings or something like that. But it feels like there, you know, there is a goal. And if they won a national championship last year, would he have quit that year? So I don't think so, but I don't know. You know, it's lingering. Miss Terry's brought it up several times. So there's there's had to be that conversation. That, and I'd like to know how fast he got that Ferrari. Has he got that thing over 45 yet? You know, because, you know, <laughs> is he hitting that skinny pedal when nobody's looking? How many tickets has he avoided down there in Tuscaloosa? So, <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, Shane, I've come full circle on the uh, Nick Saban retirement. I've not even brought it up because I don't want him to retire now. Now that, uh, you know, LSU is is – I don't yeah. want to say on their level, but hell, they beat them last year. They won the division. But more importantly, Georgia, I mean, we just assume Georgia's going to go 12-0, and go to the SEC championship, and they may do it. But yeah, it's basically the same thing as what I was saying when Alabama was dominant. I think it's bad if you, when you go into the year and it's just, well, Alabama's just going to kill everybody. I think it's bad if it's Georgia's just going to kill everybody. So, I mean, 
we need King Kong and Godzilla to be at full strength. <laughs> so as long as Georgia's humming, I'd, I'd like to see Alabama humming as well so that at least we can get some Titanic clashes here. You know what? Well, not to mention he's a great ambassador for the game. And any event that you go to, it's nice knowing that he's in our corner. He's in, he's always got the interest of the SEC first. And, you know, his voice it, it carries a lot of weight. So I, I, I like that side. I get your point. Um, I'm going to play a little devil's advocate here with you, Mike, though. If, if Alabama were to miss the college football playoffs yet again, do you, does that tarnish any reputation? I know that's a stupid question because of everything that he's done, but a lot of times people remember what you did toward the end. Steve Spurrier is an example, just fleeting in the middle of the night. I think that tarnished a little bit of his legacy. Do you think, him missing or or maybe uh, you know you know what i'm saying like the 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 alabama not as dominant as it's been in the past and starts getting closer to the pack does that tarnish anything that that saban's done no it won't tarnish anything he's done but i think what it will do was and, and something i've been saying for a while it'll say to the nation it'll confirm that he's no longer on top of his game and he's yeah. no longer the best head coach, even in the SEC, because Kirby Smart, I think, has probably surpassed him. So uh, that will confirm it because, especially if Georgia wins three, I mean, if Kirby Smart wins three in a row, he's done something Nick Saban never did. Uh-huh. And he did it in a quicker time span. I mean, <laughs> oh boy, I'd, I'd hate to see. Uh, Man, Alabama fans will melt down if that happens. You know what? Absolutely. I'd like to know, too, does he hate David Pollock or has he forgave him for not recognizing he's sitting there at the booth? (laughs) All right. Also, on Wednesday, Shay, we got the great Sam Pittman. He's always great at SEC Media Days. But what I really want to ask Coach Pittman, Shay, have we fixed the red zone issues with – Dumping Kendall Browse for Danny Enos and, and kind of going hand in hand with that. This offensive line, how, you know, I've, I, they weren't bad by any means. I mean, my God, Arkansas finished, uh, I believe, number two in the SEC in rushing. Mm-hmm. So they were a strength, but also number 11 in sacks allowed, number 10 in tackles for loss allowed. This was not what I thought we were getting with, uh, you know, I always thought, Arkansas's offensive line would be the best of the best or or near it in yeah. the SEC. And I think they were downright average. I mean, it, they, yeah. stro- they struggled on third down, struggled in the red zone. Has that been resolved um, despite losing Ricky Stromberg and Dalton Wagner to the NFL? Those are the big questions I have for Sam Pittman because we have got to execute in the red zone and the offensive line has got to be a strength while Sam Pittman is a co-chair if Arkansas is going to win big in the SEC. Yeah, I mean, offensive line. I mean, when I, when Sam first took that job, that's what you and I said. Well, at least we know they have a hell of an offensive line. And and sometimes it feels like that strength was not there and that that kind of infuriates me because Sam Pittman is a, is is one of the goats 
when it comes to offensive line coaching and developing. So I definitely want to see some improvement on that side of the ball. And you do that, it helps in red zone situations. It helps in stupid penalties on first down. You know, there was a lot of a lot of that 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 I think could be cleaned up. So I, I you know, sometimes when you're a head coach, you, you kind of you, you go back to that general manager, but you you forget what you're really good at. And I think he gets back to his roots here in the off season. And um, as far as me and Sam hanging out the bar, you want to talk about an ultimate dream. You know, I, I would love that. I would love to drink beer. No, like if we had a list of the, of the sec coaches, I'd like to drink a cold beer with Sam Pittman is going to be at the top of that thing. I just think he'd be awesome. And I, and I think I'd be more interested in just stories. Here's a guy that that's been around the block a time or two. You know, he's seen a lot of great coaches. He's seen a lot of great players. I would want to know kind of behind the scenes some stories that he's not able to tell us because he's always got one right there, like a short list of, of things he's brought up. But you know he's also got a list of things he just can't let get out. So if I'm asking him, I'm probably going to ask the wildest recruiting story. What's your what's you know the the wildest thing you've seen in a locker room? You know something along those lines there because I bet he'd have us rolling. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Well, we also got Billy Napier down there on Wednesday, Shane. And it's simple for me, for Billy, confidence level that Patrick Tony, the defensive coordinator, can get things going. Because at far too often last year, Florida was dreadful on defense. Mm-hmm. And, man, it cost you in damn near every big game you played. When I think of Florida, Shane, I always think of tough, physical defense. Defense usually leads the way down there. Uh, mm-hmm. At least in recent times, I know, you know, you go back to Steve Spurrier. I mean, e- even at high-flying, incredible offenses they had, they also had nasty, nasty defenses. That's why they were so damn good. Um, mm-hmm. You know, basically, are you going to fire your defensive coordinator if he doesn't get it done this year? Because it was, it was just pathetic last year. No, and, and I think that's a fair question to ask, Mike. You know, and, and there are a lot of question marks for me with the University of Florida. You know, we, we again, we were talking about these two teams, Texas and Oklahoma, joining. And, and sometimes, you know, the more mouths to feed, some of these teams don't get the respect that they deserve. And it just seems like the more years we go on, the more prestige I feel like Florida is losing. You know, we got a little taste of it uh, a few years back with, with Pitts and company, but – it just it feels like we've just not got back to to quality football Gator football. I mean, you you're the only SEC team in the state. You know, we got two in Alabama, two in Tennessee, now two in Texas, hell, two in Mississippi. There's only one team in Florida, and you own it. You need to you need to capitalize on that, and, and it drives me nuts. Uh, and and I guess if I'm talking to Billy, I want to know. You know, what's the pressure? What What is the – like, do you see yourself coaching here in four years? Like, you, you know, I look at what they've had uh, the last few seasons, you know, three, four years, that's it, and you're out. You know, is this thing going to be – are we going to be competitive again in year three? Or is this – are you going to be another revolving coach that comes through Gainesville? It just feels like we've not had that, that home run hire since – urban Meyer, you know, and, and, and everybody's chasing Spurrier. It's like, we've not done the big name thing. We, yeah, we went out and got Dan Mullen. He was, he was a, he was a hot commodity, but he wasn't, 
he wasn't a flashy name like Kelly that would come in and win national championship. He's he's winning a lot of games in Mississippi, but it's just are they saving up for that guy, or do they think Billy will be that guy? And only Billy can tell you. So I would want to know, you know, what are your expectations, and what is the expectations of your athletic uh, department? Yeah, and maybe a, a fun question that you could have asked him also, Shane. Winning the Utah game yeah. was that the worst thing that happened to you? Because that that just set the remember they I think they went from like unranked to top ten. Everybody was like, "We're back, yeah. baby, we're back." <laughs> then they lose to Kentucky. It's like, oh god, like here we go again. So it's almost like that set the expectations too high in his debut right. season. You know what? Yeah, if he could redo it, maybe just lose by one. You know. <laughs> Well, and, and I'm sure it was not easy. Um, you know, we had some players get dismissed, dismissed halfway through the season. You know, another good question would be, you know, what was that locker room like? You know, especially with Anthony Richardson, and, and you know, I'm sure there was a couple divas in that in that locker room, and and it's tough when you're the new coach and you're trying to you know, do a new thing. Some guys just don't buy in. And it felt like that's what the problem we had with Florida was this, there wasn't a hundred percent buy-in when Billy got down there. So what does that look like year two? Do we, is the locker room situation cleared up? Are these your guys? Right. And, and it makes you think, I don't, this is the last thing Florida fans want to hear about, but the Jaden Rashad of the quarterback, all the money, yeah. Billy Napier was probably like the last thing we need is a multi-million dollar player in here that has literally accomplished nothing. I I don't know if the locker room could survive that, you know? No, it couldn't. Absolutely. That's I I feel like that's kind of cancer, man. Um uh, especially in a at a young program. It's it's one thing if you're going to Georgia or Alabama, and, you know, the, these guys are winning all the time, but you're trying to build something. It it's it's tough when you've got a, a diva. I would imagine uh, like I'm not saying that he is. I don't know the kid or anything like that. But when you're holding out for more money and stuff like that, it you got another you got a room full of other kids that aren't getting paid near as much or if any. So yeah, I'm with you on there. All right, last one for Wednesday, Shane. We got Mark Stoops in Kentucky, and of course everyone's excited. We got Liam Cohen back as the offensive coordinator. We got Devin Leary up from NC State, who many has the top quarterback in the portal. Ray Davis, you already mentioned him, a hell of a running back from Vanderbilt. So we've yeah. got all these pieces, but and and we've added on the offensive line, but that's where my focus is, the offensive line, because I got confidence in the in the, the other pieces they added. I've got confidence in Kentucky's receivers and tight ends. All the pieces are there aside from the offensive line. And maybe they'll have it solved, but that's the big question I got from Mark Stoops. Your program's identity used to be the offensive line. That's the strength of the entire program. Now it may be the biggest weakness of the offense. What's your confidence that that has been turned around? Because I think the season kind of hinges on it for the Kentucky Wildcats. Yeah, Kentucky's so wild, man. Just, I mean, just when you want to count them out, you don't want to, like, okay, it's over. It was a fun run. They go out and they they land all these damn transfers. You're like, they're back, you know. So they weren't doing that five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago. They, you know, Kentucky had to build and build and build from the ground up. Not anymore. So I think that's a testament of what what Mark's been able to do up there. But if I'm asking Mark anything, brother. 
I want to know which coach he would punch in the face and why is it Shane Bieber? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Uh, you know, he's got a, he, he's got that chip on his shoulder. That, that's, that's who he is. And, and, uh, it's a shame that these guys aren't on the same day. Cause I think if I was, if I was scheduling, that's the way I would have, I would have, but it is kind of fun watching these guys in, in Kentucky, especially, uh, just the, the, the hatred they have for some of these teams you never thought about. Like I never thought of a Kentucky, South Carolina rivalry, well, now I can't wait to see the game. I know it's going to be chippy. I know there's going to be words being said. You know, same thing with Tennessee. You know, Tennessee has always hated people in other schools, but it feels like Kentucky's slowly morphing in to another Tennessee, you know, just a, a list of enemies. And you know Shane Beamer and them damn glasses are at the top of his. <laughs> just a second, final day at SEC Media Day, Shane, Thursday, July 20. This looks like an electric, electric day. Sometimes the final day is kind of a sleepy one. It ain't going to no. be at this media days because we got Lane Kiffin, who always yep. is down there dropping uh, one gem after another. Question for Lane Kiffin I got, Shane. What the hell is the strategy here with all these quarterbacks, Spencer Sanders, Walker Howard from LSU, and we still got Jackson Dart coming back. Yeah. And, and he looked good at times. I mean, it's not like he was he was awful. So, uh, you know, what is the, the strategy there? And, and Kiffin has – now, he's made it no secret before that, you know, this transfer portal, I don't know how it affects the locker room and it could blow the chemistry up. And it, these are things he said, yet mm -hmm. he's adding all these quarterbacks and just hoping it all works out. Uh, I, I'm fascinated to know what it, what is the true strategy and, and what he really thinks of Jackson Dart, given the fact that he's gone out here and added two quarterbacks that could potentially start for Ole Miss next season. Yeah, and, and this one's going to be a fun one because it's one that we're really going to dissect a lot of here in the offseason is is the coaching of Ole Miss. What does this team look like? Because there is a lot of question marks there. But if I'm in a room or a bar with Lane Kiffin, the last thing I'm going to talk to him about is X's and O's. You know what I'm saying? The first thing I probably would mention, obviously, as a Tennessee homer, was that night and how it played out and does he have regrets? Those those stupid drunk questions are going to come out as a Tennessee homer. But the one that, that kind of puzzles me is this Auburn deal. You know, usually when there's smoke, there's fire. And this thing felt like it was a done deal. And it feels like something may have fell through there. And then there was a lot of, you know, there's a contract coming out immediately after that and extension. I would want to know commitment level. Five years from now, Lane, do you see yourself still at Ole Miss? I mean, I know you did an extended contract, but we just discussed that with, with Jimbo. Money's not – I mean, we got we got some serious Disney money coming in. Don't that contract can get paid for? I want to know true commitment of Ole Miss, how he's going to be, and how close he was to going to Auburn. And if there was a job to pop open in the SEC, is there any and a list? Just give me a short list of four places that you would leave Ole Miss for. And hopefully, as an Ole Miss fan, he'll say none of them. Like if he's giving me an honest answer, but I don't think he's going to give us an honest answer. <laughs> all right how about uh, we just referenced him shane shane beamer will also be there on thursday yeah and he's always a great time he 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 takes advantage he's one of the smartest coaches when it comes to marketing and getting the brand out there and everything 
Uh, we all know the glasses and the hype videos. I mean, the TikToks will be insane yeah. from, from Broadway and Shane Beamer. But what I really want to know, because I think it's going to determine the season for the Gamecocks next season, uh, Spencer Rattler playing for offensive coordinator Dow Loggins. How effective can their quarterback be right out the gate in this new system? They got many pieces returning for continuity. That's great. But we've seen many times before, Shane, where we, we make a change at a coordinator and we every change at coordinator you assume is going to be good, but they don't always work out that way. Right. And they certainly don't always work out immediately. But look at South Carolina's schedule right out the gate, Shane. I mean, they, they got North Carolina in Charlotte, so it's a neutral field. Week three at Georgia. Week four, Mississippi State comes to Columbia. That That is not mm -hmm. a game you can overlook. And then at Tennessee. So, I mean, you have got to be firing right out the gate. Otherwise, I mean, we're hyping up South Carolina. We believe in South Carolina. We think they're a program on the rise. Yeah. There have been many programs, Shane, that were quote-unquote on the rise <laughs> in the SEC, and that thing went downhill in a hurry. And I'm, I'm yeah. not suggesting that the entire program will implode if they if they struggle, but they're not going to have a great season if they don't come out the gate firing because these are some very, very difficult games right out the gate. Yeah, and, and, and to that note, I guess that kind of leads in a little bit what I was thinking. You know, I was going back to that Florida game last year, and it felt like South Carolina – completely hit rock bottom there and if you would have asked me that day if they ever win an sec game the rest of that season i would easily have put a mortgage payment and saying absolutely not these guys are done they were finished but something happened brother something happened in that locker room some people probably bought in i know there were some folks leave you know i would want to know if i'm talking to beamer behind the scenes because there was some fire and I think of that Tennessee game in particular, that team was completely bought in. And you got to see it in the Clemson matchup. You got to see it in the, uh, unfortunately, the bowl game. But still, they, they, they played a hell of a football game there. So my question to Beamer is, is the cancer out? Is this same momentum that we saw there in Columbia going to continue? Because like you said, the schedule ramps up real quick at the start of the season. We can't afford for a sluggish start, and you've got some leadership back there. So what do you expect from the locker room moving forward? And and how much did that have to do with that Florida loss? Hmm. Now the final team schedule for Thursday, Shane, I saved the best for last for you, the Tennessee Vols. And Josh yeah. Heupel, you know, we got full confidence that Josh Heupel, you know, his offense will always be good because it always has been. Mm -hmm. A lot of new faces, new pieces all over that offense, though. So uh, I think the critical factor to it all is the offensive line with it with a new quarterback, even though new is maybe a, maybe a, a stretch because Joe Milton started before for Tennessee and he right. started the last game, the bowl game. So. You know, obviously there's going to be a lot of people got questions about Joe Milton, but I, my biggest question is the confidence in the offensive line with Darnell Wright off to the NFL. He may be a first-round pick. Jerome Carvin was arguably their yeah. second-best lineman. He's off to the NFL. They got nice pieces. Cooper Mays is outstanding. Uh, Spragans is a good offensive lineman. But they had to hit the portal for, for a couple linemen. How do that? Right. How do they gel on that offensive line? I think that's that's critical to Tennessee's season. I think it's it's going to be how good can this offensive line be next season will determine 
how great Tennessee is. Hmm. And Mike, I just want to know one simple question and he's going to have to keep it on the download and I will too. I'll keep a secret. Like this is it, right? Tennessee's home, right? You know, Oklahoma, uh, NFL, uh, you know, this stuff has been floating around since Hopple's production there at Tennessee kicked off. And, and you're always a little bit leery because of another coach we mentioned earlier. We've been hurt here at Knoxville. So I would just like between him and me, could he see himself retiring in, in Knoxville, Tennessee with hopefully a couple of national championships, you know? So that's, that's if I'm just – Cold beer, me and him talking. I just want to know confidence level that he's going to stay. Like, is there a dream job that's going to pop open that I need to worry about? I need to know now, Mike. <laughs> I need to brace myself. How big of a, a weight off your shoulders was it when Tennessee gave him that big extension? Because he was near the bottom of SEC yeah. coaching salaries. Now he's, he's I think, he's, what is it, $9.5 million? Now he's in the upper echelon. Yeah. How much confidence does that give you that, uh, hey, we're keeping the, the big hype happy down there? I, I I think that's huge, Mike, and and it could come at a better time, you know, because there was some jobs lingering around out there that I was really afraid of. Uh, I mentioned the Oklahoma. I mentioned uh, Michigan was another one. The NFL jobs, that's the one that really scared me because, you know, a lot of the coaches these days, especially these offensive-minded guys, you know, don't want to deal with the recruiting side of things. But, you know, this community absolutely loves Coach Hype. I think they 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 realize he's 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 going to be a hell of a coach. We'd love to see him stick around for a long time. And uh, I'm glad he got paid. So I just – if me and him just shooting the shit, I want to know confidence level, though. Or is there like one or two teams? Just so that I prepare myself in case that position ever comes open, you know? <laughs> Let me ask you this. I, I think I already know the answer, Shane, but – Obviously, Nashville, that's where Vanderbilt's located. Yeah. Will more Vanderbilt fans show up to SEC Media Days or will more Tennessee fans show up to SEC Media Days? What's your thought? Uh, honestly, probably neither fan base. You know, Georgia's traveling well. Alabama travels well. Uh, I would imagine those guys. In fact, you think about teams like Kentucky now is a lot closer to SEC media days, Missouri a lot closer. So I think we're going to get a hodgepodge of all types of fandom, but I really would, I'd love to see a huge showing uh, for Tennessee clearly. Uh, and, and if I'm picking between Vanderbilt and Tennessee, Tennessee hands down. And I, I've got to give Kentucky fans credit, Shane. I know it's completely different, but you know, when they hold the SEC basketball tournament here in Nashville nearly mm -hmm. every year, the city turns blue. I mean, they yeah. travel in waves, so they yeah. support their programs. But, hey, little bonus addition here, Shane. We got to throw these guys in there. They're SEC members now, Texas <laughs> and Oklahoma. So thoughts on them real quick. I, I know they're not going to be at, at media days, but right. who knows? Maybe they, maybe they send a jet down just to shoot the ship for, for a couple hours down here yeah. in Nashville. Steve Sarkeesian, my question for him, and, and I, th I think this is an important one, Shane, they got this quarterback, Quinn Ewers. He was supposed to be, you know, the highest-rated quarterback ever signed or whatever since Vince Young. He he was yeah. okay last year, but not great. He even had one game, Shane, I saw he had 30 incompletions. I mean, that's that's going to be a Texas record or something. Is he the guy to lead Texas back, or 
If he's not, should we just turn the keys over to Arch Manning? Because we got to get him up to speed for SEC play in a year. That's that's what I want to know from Steve Sarkeesian. I mean, obviously, that's going to be the hot question. You know, just let the kid play. You know, you got one more year in the Big 12. Now, I know they'd probably like to win a conference championship. Who wouldn't? They want to go undefeated, go to a college football playoffs. But, you know, you definitely want to get geared up for the SEC. And and I, I can't imagine any scenario where we don't see Manning the first season. Unless – it is a freaking successful year. You know what I'm saying? Like you said, they go they go ten wins. They're looking at a, a, a at a you know yours turns out to be the guy for a little bit. He's he's still a stopgap in my opinion until Manning puts some weight on him and gets you know SEC ready. But you definitely want to get him out there, I would imagine, and get him some playing time because when you roll into this conference, man, every Saturday is going to be a tough fought football game. Yeah. And then for Oklahoma, Brent Venables, man, it, it, he was supposed to be a defensive guru. He was down there at Clemson. They were world beaters yeah. in the in the weak ACC. Now he's at Oklahoma. They had the 99th best scoring defense in the country. Oh, my God. <laughs> that ain't going to cut it, brother, in the SEC. And that, that was in the Big 12. So what's his confidence level that the defense can get up to speed uh, I mean, I, I get it. New coach, all that. They had a lot of transfers, but that is just purely uh, inexcusable to be that poor at a program like Oklahoma where they they probably got better talent than everybody in that league aside from Texas. So, yeah, uh, man, we got to see Oklahoma make big strides on the defensive side of the ball. What's his confidence level that, that we can get that done next year? Yeah, and, and just beefing up the team all together. You know, it's always tough year one. You're working through You didn't get a full recruiting class, that sort of thing. I get that. You know, year two, a little bit different. But ultimately, you're judged in year three, and you're going to be rolling into the SEC, and you're going to have, you're going to, have to have some depth. Uh, this this man knows. You know, being at Clemson, he's played plenty of SEC programs. He's played a lot of, a lot of top ten programs, and he knows that he's going to have to build, especially up front, some big uglies when it comes over here uh, to, to this conference. So, you know, what is his game plan? Does it change a little bit? You know, because I think there's always been like a Big 12 route and then now there's this SEC route. Does that dictate some of his recruiting side? And, and, you know, is there something that he's trying to build up before he gets over here? Well, Shane, I'm, we've ran through every coach conceivable question we can here in middle February to ask these guys in July. I mean, man, we're dying for some SEC football. <laughs> uh, that just gives you an indication. But, uh, hey, happy what is it? President's Day? Is that what the the holiday is to everybody? I don't know, Mike. It seems like we got a holiday every weekend. You know, I think we just had Valentine's. You know, now we got the presidents. I don't know what's next. What is this week? So it's, uh, is it February? Yeah, I think we've got St. Patrick's. Some, you know, it's coming up. So, you know. Yeah, any excuse to take a day off. You know, it sounds like I'm making the calendar. <laughs> but we wanted to get you out there because a lot of people do got to work on these holidays. Yeah. So we're giving you something. And uh, if not, maybe you maybe you got the day off and you're listening to this the next day. But, hey, man, that's all I got on this episode. You got anything else before we hop off the line? No, brother. I'm excited. Uh, like you said, when this came out and the lineups, I was just – 
you know, now that we've got one under our belt, kind of know what we're going into and, and it's going to make for a hell of an event, man. I, I know it's going to be absolutely loaded. I hope they, uh, like I said, I hope there's plenty of fans going to be there. Uh, it's going to be really, really cool, cool setup. Now there is a, they do the coaches, uh, meeting in Florida. Do you know when, when that is right offhand? I don't, but I believe it's in, um, I want to say late. No, I think it's early May. I think it's like the first week of May. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I felt like it was coming up sooner, but I'm, I'm not familiar, but that's, that would be like our first little dose there. And, and then that usually leads into those questions that we ask on S in uh, media days. So, uh, but man, the ball's rolling, man, the ball is absolutely rolling. Uh, I'm desperate for any sports. I watched NASCAR for the first time in like two years today, you know, it's like, why the hell not? No football. I might as well watch the Daytona, which was a great race. Uh, but I saw that they got all these other leagues cranking up now, you know, XFL. I think that's a thing again. So, uh, um, I don't know. Do they still? Is that what it is? I I mean, maybe it makes it. I don't know. I, so I guess that will be uh that'll be helping a little scratch, you know. But but no, it's it's good to have some real content coming out, and uh, we're gonna have more. We're gonna have absolutely more. So uh, Mike's gonna have some more guests on. I'm gonna be on more more often as well. So just be sure to tune in, turn those notifications on, especially YouTube. You know, so if you want to see us good looking bastards, you could just jump on there, subscribe. That would help out a lot. Be kind in the comments. I'm very emotional. But uh, other than that, that's all I got, Mike. <laughs> well, I certainly do appreciate you, Shade. I appreciate each and every one of you for continuing to check us out. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go Vols. Hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and Cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the Pirate, and the Pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State.